Today we play golf. Let me show you how we do it in the pros. Yeah! Welcome to Behind the Golf Brand Podcast. I never miss with the seven iron. A conversation with some of the most interesting innovators and entrepreneurs behind the biggest names in golf. My friends were the golf clubs. I lived on the golf course. I lived on the driving range. From Pro Talk. You should learn something from each and every single round you play. To fun from on and off the green. Why would you play golf if you don't play it for money? Just let me put the ball in the hole. This is Behind the Golf Brand Podcast with Paul Liberatore. What's up, guys? Paul from Golfers Authority. Welcome to the Behind the Golf Brand podcast. This week, we are on episode 75, which is crazy. Um, and this week, I also have my good friend, Mark Cordera from Kraken Golf. I've been a fan of Kraken for a long time. And I literally remember, like, talk- I can remember the day I talked to Mark for the first time. And I was all excited because I was like, I think his what he does with just everything really when it comes like he does leather goods he does ball markers divot tools like you know it's high quality it's almost like art to be honest so we started talking probably two and a half years ago um and we reviewed one of their i think we reviewed the a divot tool and it it's the it's awesome so i'm really excited to have him on the show because he's grown crazy since then i'm really happy to have him here so welcome to the show today thank you paul appreciate it so where do you live? Um, Christian at Massachusetts, so about an hour south of Boston. And local folks will say we're not part of Cape Cod until you get over the bridge. Uh, <laughs> so uh, close to Cape Cod, but not technically on Cape Cod. Aren't you guys close to Snell? Isn't Snell down the street from you somewhere? Yeah. Um, uh, Dean's actually a member of the same country club as me. But yeah, he's here in New, in New Bedford area. Um. Dean's really cool. I don't know. He's funnier and shit, man. He is so funny. Um, I had him on the show like, I don't know, like a year ago. And his stories about, like, first of all, it's like, he's telling stories about hockey and getting in fights at the golf course. And it was just like, <laughs> like his, like his, his first time ever playing golf with his dad, like ever. He was like in college. And like, he said that he said he hit his ball in the woods and he went to go look for his ball. And then these guys hit up on his dad and his dad got pissed. And then these guys, like, he turned around. And like, him and his dad, his dad and these guys were fighting on the fairway. And, like, <laughs> and then he jumped in on it. Like, that's his first memory of golf, like, for real. I was, like, I was not expecting that at all. But That's, like, a New Bedford type of thing. That's kind of what Is it? Was. Yeah, it's, like, you don't mess with us, bro. Like, you don't hit up on us. <laughs> He's, like, I don't even, I didn't even like hockey. I didn't even like golf back then. Like, he was an, he's a hockey player. Like, that's all yeah. he did. Um, so... Is it cold as hell there right now? Because I thought there's like some big blizzard coming or something. No, it's actually like 55 today. So for us in March, that's a treat. So yeah, have like some kind of cyclone bomb snow thing, or is that not by you guys? That was uh, that was last weekend, but you know, literally oh. the day before that, it was 60, and the next day it was 20 with a cyclone bomb. So it's be like the weird weather of March, essentially. Like, yeah, well, it's supposed to be all 50s next week, which is just weird. But what will happen is next weekend there'll be a snowstorm after a week of 50s. That's just how it goes. But yeah, it's, coming it's, though, spring's coming. Yeah, right? it's, you got to, you got to the hard part. Golf. I'm gonna get out and play some golf next week, hopefully. So take it really. Advantage. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you're not a golf pro, right? No, not at all. <laughs> did, you, did you play golf? Did you play golf like growing up, or did you play golf in high school, or what? Uh, no, and no. Um, I started playing golf probably when I was 19. So yeah. I played now 
I'll date myself 25 years or so now. Did uh, you grow up in that area? Yeah, I, I grew up in a cushionette, moved away for a couple of years with my wife, and then uh, we moved back to a cushionette uh, four or five years ago. Where so, did you guys live? Where did you guys move to? A uh, small town called Attleboro, which is north of Providence, Rhode Island, but still in Massachusetts. So you stayed in like that area your whole life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Born and bred. Yeah, never, never leaves. So what made you get, I mean, have you always been artistic? Like what made you decide that, Hey, I want to start making golf stuff. Um, so I, like I said, I played for years, but it's funny that when I, when I start, I started milling or machining probably, I don't know, 10 years ago. Now, um, I started a brand called next 18 golf. It's still out on Instagram. The, I don't, I don't do anything with it anymore, but, um, me and a, a buddy of mine were partners and we, basically built a, a golf belt type company. We did custom golf belts for schools and stuff like that, all machined. But it started a little bit before that. I bought a, a Grizzly G4307, I think it was, drill press. And I started on YouTube, just like laying in bed with my wife one night. And uh, some guy was machining something on it. And uh, so it was just a drill press. I converted it to a CNC mill with a conversion for pack. Real? Yeah. Holy crap. And it was all in, it was like 3000 bucks. And my wife thought I was crazy for spending $3,000 on this thing that went in the corner of my garage and she couldn't get her car in anymore. And we started making golf belt buckles off of this thing. Uh, terrible machine. I, I shouldn't say terrible, but you know, it is what it is for 3000 bucks. And you get to pay for It's all I could afford at the time. I had no skills. I'm not a machinist trade <clears throat> or anything like that. So I figured it all out on YouTube and just started milling belt buckles and, Grew that business. I think we got up to like 12,000 users uh, or followers on Instagram. And then. Um, That's pretty good. Yeah. It was just, it was two years of craziness. And what year was this? This is probably 2015, 2016. Around before there. that, were you into like CNC stuff or not really? You just saw no. it. You're like, oh, it's cool. I could do something cool with that. Yeah. I just, I mean, I, I saw it one day on YouTube. I thought it was cool. It's like, oh, I want to fool around with this machine, see what I can do with it. And yeah. That was it. So uh, now I'm um, 10 CNC machines later, <laughs> you're cracking and, uh, you know, much bigger, you know, production level machines now, not hobby level machines. I mean, that was even a hobby level machine. It was a, that was even a drill press, dude. Yeah, that was, was even like, <laughs> like seriously, that's like, that's like redneck CNC yeah, right there. This was a total science experiment, you know? Yeah. Like, like come on. Plus, I'm going to convert this thing to a mill and, I would sit there literally with a little spray can, can of like lubricant and spray it every so the bit wouldn't like melt down or stick into the metal. Uh, yeah, it was it was really hands on. Like, how would you? How do you turn that into a okay? Was, uh, okay, like I did some CNC stuff like in college, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I learned about how to do stuff. Like I used to be in, in, in aviation, right? So we, we, I was like, how do you aviation CNC essentially? Yeah, and so like. What I remember back then, it was like early, early, early days. It was like the nineties, dude. Like, yeah. like nothing was that tag tack, right? I think we had to use like, it was like, I mean, it was, there, there, I probably nothing like it is nowadays, but how do you do like, how do you even do a belt? Do you have to, if you, if you have like a drill press that you convert, like you yes. can manually do that or like, is it like programmable and it does the, do it for you or how does that happen? Well, yeah. It, it, so with the, uh, with the add-on to it to convert it to a CNC, it was basically just yeah. for an engraving machine. So I would take little billets of aluminum 
I would cut it to a rectangle shape. Um, I would buy those little screw on things in the back that make it a belt buckle, essentially, um, yeah. you know, onto the strap and all that. But the CNC part, all I would do is engrave like whatever the college logo or whatever Where logo they wanted. They wanted. That's all I used the CNC for. It wasn't actually machining a belt buckle, you know, a, you know, a high end. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It was a customizing piece of, a piece of aluminum. Yeah, it was, it was a rectangular piece of aluminum with an engraving on it, and I, I screwed on a belt buckle attachment on the back. So, I mean, this is really primitive stuff, you know, uh, compared to what but that, that was programmable or no, that was yeah, more, no, it was programmable for the engraving, you know? So then so, how did that work? Is it like a, what kind of file is that? Is that like a, um, I used uh, fusion 360, which I still use today. Um, so same CAD program, um, that I use today, but I mean, oh, for engraving yeah. easy, you know, no big deal. <laughs> So you did that and you had a partner and how long you, said you only did that for a couple of years? We did for a couple of years. And then, I mean, I, it was mostly me hands-on. He, he did a lot of the financing of everything. Um, yeah. he, you know, the marketing, all that type of stuff. Um, and then I had, you know, dreams of cracking, right? I wanted big machines, uh, lasers, like, you know, heavy duty equipment. And, you know, and he was just, you know, he was different than that with me. He was more conservative in terms of what he wanted to purchase and what money he wanted to put into it. And yeah, you know, at some point I just, you know, I needed to do my own thing, you know? Yeah. And you wanted to do something different really is what it was. Right. Yeah. And kind of build something new. And, and, him and, and I were still best of friends. We, you know, he's my biggest golf buddy. We just went, had a trip down to Florida to the PGA show together. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know, we're cool and all, but you know, I, I had to go do my thing, you know. Bro, your stuff is so good. It's not even funny. <laughs> I can't, like, I'm on your website right now while you're talking. And it's like, you're, the level of what you've, where you were even two and a half years ago and to where you're at now is like night and day. And you were good back then. Is that, I would say, that, I, say six months ago. So like, it, I, I just, it blows yeah. my mind. The stuff you're making, I'm like, how does he even do that in metal? Like, I, like it just blows my mind. Like, I'm, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to over-engineer it as much as possible on purpose. <laughs> That's my goal every day. How can I make a ball marker more intricate and needlessly more intricate than it already is? And if I, I mean, that, that's it's not basic at all. It's not like some cheap, like, it looks so good. Oh, my God. All right, we'll get to that in a minute. What did you do with Next18? I mean, you still have an Instagram account, but you don't really do anything with it and yes. whatever, right? Next I mean, I guess would – would would Kraken ever do belt buckles? Um, I have. I've done two or three releases of belt buckles. Not much. Not much at all. Is, it, is everything kind of a test for you? Where like you'll make a small run, right? Because everything you do is limited run. And you go, oh, yeah, this worked or not worked. I don't want to do that no more. Or, you know, like people not really into belt buckles or, you know, like that, yeah, is that how, how you do it. I think belt buckles are so 2015. <laughs> yeah, you know, like before that, I think it's like 2009 to 2012. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, like there's companies that still do it, and, and there's some PGA pros that you know wear custom belt buckles and so forth. But um, I just don't find them interesting anymore. Um, that, that's the one problem with me is I get bored real quick. So that's why I have literally a new product every single week because if I were to make the same thing over and over again, I'd go crazy. So. Uh, I even go crazy making 30 or 50 of something. Like I'm already have an idea for the next you're already Jones and for the next one, or you think of something while making something and you're like, Oh, that'd be cool. Oh yeah. I, if I had no discipline, I would stop mid run and move to the next thing. Cause I, you know, I'll think of something that's cooler already. 
you know. <laughs> so so yeah, it's a tough business model though, because literally I make a new product every single week. So it's you really, kind of, yeah. I never remake anything. If I do, it's there's some sort of variation to it. But once it's made, it's done, and we move on. Like, I would say right now, you're the very first quote-unquote artist I've had on the show, right? Like, I've worked with a lot of artsy brands, and this is not a bad thing, right? Like, custom custom putter, custom whatever. But, yes. like, your stuff is just so good. Like, it, it blows my mind. Like, like this is not his full-time job, right? Like, I, he told me that again today, and I forgot. Like, this is not your full-time job, right? Like, you do something else. Correct. Right. Yeah, I know I have a corporate job. So it's a corporate job. Like you, I thought like Mark was doing this full time because I mean, because you look at what he does and you realize how much time it really takes to customize this stuff and make it look that good. And it's like you would ha- you think, oh, he'd have to be doing this full time or have full, you know? And it's like, no, I'm well, on the side. Well, I am. So I, I probably spend a good sixty hours a week on. Crime. Yeah, I mean, but like you can so. spend a hundred hours a week on it. <laughs> At least sixty. If yeah, you know, throw up my wife, I'd cut it down a bit. But like you know, I just yeah, it's I love doing it. So like sixty hours goes by like literally like it feels like ten hours. Like I could keep doing it. Well, it's all love, right? It's passion. It's like oh, hundred percent. It's all it is, right? There's no stress to this, right? I mean, the stress is like well, after you make, I gotta make some money. My wife's gonna kill me because I'm like, buying stuff, like the normal stuff. Well, the, the but it's st- like is meeting deadlines. So like, you know, if you ask people that follow me now, I don't do quite as much custom as I did before, just because making one of one is like crazy, (laughs) you know? Uh, So, you know, to set up the mill to make one item, it's just, you know, it's just not worth it when you think about it. So I've stopped doing that quite as much. I mean, there's some simple things I'll do. Like, you know, I've made a bunch of round milled markers out there on the shelf. And if someone wants something laser engraved on it, not a big deal. Um, but you know, a whole piece that's completely different shape or something along those lines, I've stopped doing it. I just, I I can't justify it anymore. You know, I just don't have the time or the bandwidth for it. So I guess let's talk about the evolution of Kraken. So then what year, so what year did Kraken start? Um, 2017, November, 2017. And then you, at that point, did you buy, did you have a different CNC machine, not your janky ghetto one at that point? I had, uh, I started off with a, a Tormark, Tormark P440, which is a hobbyist machine. High, high end. Like, like what did that cost? I have no idea. What, what kind of machine like that would cost? Fully loaded. Grand, it's five grand? Like 12, 15 grand fully loaded. Whoa. So. Okay. So then you get that and you said, I'm going to start making something. What was the first thing you made? I think it was a money bag ball marker. So shaped like a money bag. Um, and it was I just, that. I think it was paint filled maybe. It was either paint filled or there was no fill. It was just brass and with an engraving and that was it. So then how many of those did you make? At the time, probably, no, no, probably like 10, 20. Because of the cost of material, right? Like what does material cost right now? Like when you make a ball okay. marker, what does it cost? Yeah. In, in a, Right now, it's crazy expensive with you know post COVID and all that stuff. But um, you know, back in the day, not not quite as much. I mean, you get a sheet of brass I, at the time. Um, it was probably a, a six inch by six inch sheet, and I would cut out you know, like nine ball markers out of that. And so that sheet would probably be twenty five dollars, if I remember right. But then I'm asking a lot of dumb questions. I don't know how this world works, right? So, like, do you do you buy this? Do you buy the material like from a distributor or like there's like craft store 
You know what I'm saying? Not craft store, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I don't know. Like, how would you buy big pieces of metal to make stuff? Uh, it depends what type of metal, but I, I get a lot of stuff from vendors online. Uh, they have online marketplaces. You can buy bar yeah. stock in quantity. Raw, raw material, right? Absolutely. And then, uh, and then leather. You know, there's uh, Everything's online. I, I don't go anywhere. I buy everything online and it gets shipped to my door. I, I don't have time to go to a store. No way. Yeah. Hey, going to the post office is even problematic some days. So. <laughs> Are you doing all your own shipping? Yes. <laughs> I, I, did that, I did that all last year with, with my brand. Dude, that, oh my God, I spent so many hours. I think one day I spent six hours just feeling packages. It was yeah, like so the worst use of your time, right? Sometimes my daughter helps me. So anybody that gets packages and the label's a little off center, that's because she packaged it. If I packaged it, it'd be perfect because I'm weird. But uh, <laughs> she just slaps a label on. It's like, it's a package, dad. I don't care. <laughs> I think that's what my labels look like towards the end of me putting them on. I'm getting tired of doing it. I'm like, these people are not going to care what their dumbass label looks like. There's doesn't happen. Open the bag up. You know, like, when did you, like, started upgrading the machine after that? Like, do you, like how long do you wait to upgrade a machine? Like, do you wait, like, so much time or so much money you make? Or, like, I, don't, I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, it was money driven and then production, right? So like on, on the Tormach, I was literally making one or two pieces at a time. It's a small table. You can't fit like multiple vices on it or anything like that. So you, as you can imagine, I was cranking out literally one tool at a time. Um, and the other thing with the Tormach, it, you know, I'll get a little bit technical here. It didn't have a, a tool changer. So Every time I had to move to a different tool, different size tool, a ball end mill, a square end mill, I would have to stop the machine or the machine would stop. I would go in there, change the tool out, and then run a program. Take the chuck and like I'd take out the thing manually yeah, and all that. So it would take forever to produce 10 ball markers, you know. So And then, you know, the speeds were slower on a machine like that, uh, et cetera. So uh, I bought my first Haas three years ago, I think it was, three years ago now, two, two and a half. And now I have two, uh, and these are production level machines with cha- with tool changers, and you know I can have like super fast, yeah, right. super fast, six vices on them. Um, I have a CM one, which is like the best thing ever uh, from Haas. And you, most of the time, people use it in like the dental industry or jewelry industry. It's super fast, fifty thousand RPMs, and I, I use all my all my divot tools and ball markers are milled on that because it's so fast. Um, and you know something like brass or copper, it just beats the crap out of that stuff like real quick like i'll I'll get like six tools done in like 20 minutes opposed to you know in the old days it was like an hour to do one tool with all now it's more about time it's not about efficiency of time like it's it's money and time right it's like that it's money time and then also because it spins at fifty thousand rpm i can use really really small tools and fast um so i can get more intricate designs um wow so yeah, so yeah, time, efficiency, and intricacy um, are so all. So as you grow the brand, it's like that's the balance for you, right? Like you know, initially it's more you put more time because you have less money, and then you get more money, then you buy more pro- you buy more machinery, and then you start upgrading that machinery, and then it's like, you know, and that's kind of that's kind of the flow, right? Yeah, I mean, so you, you do it to increase, increase productivity, but for me, the biggest reason for buying machines is to get more and more intricate, and how can I differentiate? You get what you want from everybody else, right? Like, so everybody has mills now, you know, and at this point, it seems like everybody's got lasers now for that matter. Um, cheap. Lasers yeah, are really oh, cheap. Well, not mine, but yeah, there's some uh, cheap. Well, no, I mean like you can get cheap stuff that people can yeah, have I mean, on. You know, for 6,000 bucks, you can get a decent fiber laser that will do engravings all day long for you, you know? 
for me, it's just like, what's the next thing I can buy that will separate me from everybody else? So, so last week I bought your quality is like impeccable, man. Like, like, (laughs) I mean, like it shows, right? Cause I mean, when you look at the designs, we can kind of go over them a little bit, but like, I, I can't believe you do what you did on something that small and it looks that good. So like, like you had this one, I'll remember, I remember this, I don't have it, but like you did like a fish one, like these like Japanese koi looking thing. Remember that one? Yeah. Dude, that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. That looks like a piece, like a painting, you know, like the yeah. detail and that. And I, I think I like, I must've posted that or I saw it. I saw it somewhere. I like, I reposted it. I thought it was so cool what you did. Thank you. Um, I don't even know how you would do that. Like, cause I mean, that's a ball marker, right? I mean, how big is that? Big as a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. That's insanity. Like, yeah, I mean, but, so who ahead. does the design work for it? Is, are, are you coming? Are you drawing that? Or do you find it? Like, I, how do you, it's a combination. So I'll, I'll find, I, I find a lot of inspiration on Pinterest. So I spend a lot of time on Pinterest, just looking at art and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, yeah. In some instances, I'll download something. I'll buy an image off somebody. Sometimes I'm freehand drawing stuff. It depends on what it is, right? And what I'm trying to achieve. I mean, there's so many options. And then the the biggest thing is you got to convert it to machine code or to laser code or. You do that? You have to yeah. hire somebody. No, that's me. I mean, I, I don't hire anybody. <laughs> I wish I did, but no, it's just all me. But I mean, yeah. I mean, it's the biggest. You get thing- inspired, right? You'll get inspired by something you see, and you'll either. I mean, are you an artist naturally? I don't like to call myself that. I, I feel like that's, I don't know. I'm weird about that. I don't, I don't like that name. Yeah. But, I mean, but you draw, I mean, you could draw. Yeah, I, mean, I draw and uh, yeah. I mean, I create every day, every week, every you're day. You're an artist, bro. Just uh, just say it, you're an artist. Like, <laughs> I don't know all that. I don't even know who your competition is, honestly. Um, now, there's a lot of good guys in the space. There's one thing I will say that, that that's important to me is there's a lot of guys in the space that do what I do, and we all share. Like behind the scenes, we all You're share. Competitors. No, it's like your allies. You're like I, it's- I root for everybody. I mean, the more people we can bring into the space that want to collect the things that we make, uh, I'll root for anybody to to do well here. You know, like yeah, you're not gonna- you know, I, one guy I talk to a lot is uh, is Olson Olson Manufacturing. So he's a cool guy. We share stuff all the time. He makes incredible putters. Like, and and it's art. In like, California, he's in California. Northern, I think it's I talked to him a long time ago. But uh, he's a good guy. Uh, we'll bounce things off each other. Oh all yeah, the time. I remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but and that's what this space is. And I, I root for everybody because I mean, for me, the biggest thing is like, how do we grow the game of golf, right? And the more people that want to collect our stuff is more customers for all of us, you know, because once you get one piece, it, you know, you don't stop there. You want more, like you want to see what the next cool piece is from somebody. So it's a friendly competition, but at the same time you want everybody to succeed because it grows. But there's also a respect or two, right? Like you're oh, yeah. like, Oh, that's cool. Whoa. How'd you do that? You know, or it, do, do you guys not with those other guys, do you guys like, I wouldn't, I don't want to use the word collaborate, but like kind of ask questions like, Hey, how'd you get that? Blah blah blah. You know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, guys you know, reach out you, to me all the time. I'm more than happy to share what I've learned. You know. Um, I love. Yeah. So yeah, people I mean, always ask me that. They're always like, "Well, who are your competitors?" I'm like, I don't really think about that. Like, I feel like anybody who's not like the big, 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 big boys are 
you know, they're my allies, not my competitors. Like yeah. we're all doing the same thing. We're creating content. So it's like, yeah, we'll share we'll how we did it. I'm just a little guy in Massachusetts that's making some stuff, right? But all of us together growing that golf collectible type uh, niche, it helps all of us. You know, more people that collect. We're creating an industry that wasn't there five, six years ago. No one was, you know, the, it, people were collecting, but they were collecting like Scotty Cameron's, right? Or like right. mass manufactured company would make cool stuff, but there wasn't like niche products being made. You know, you see that with the putters in the last five years and the, the wedges, right? Yes. Like custom, like, you know, the stuff that with what you've done though, like you started making small stuff, right? Like accessories, yes. ball markers, divot tools, but now you're moving into other goods too. Like you've made putters now and you're making leather goods. And it's like, you just keep on expanding on what you're making. So it shows me to me, it's like your creativity is endless, man, because it's not like, Oh, I'm the ball marker guy. And I make cousin ball markers. It's yeah. like, no, I want I make cool stuff. And I just want to make cool stuff. Well, and, it's funny though. You, it's just like you get in those, I have those days where I wake up and I, I don't have a creative bone in my body. And, it's funny because I'll tell my wife, I'm like, Man, I'm just done with this whole thing. I can't think of anything anymore. I'm just done. I'm going to quit. <laughs> it's yeah, like, right. It's like, shut up. <laughs> it's like, get, get that crap out of my garage. I want to park in the garage again. Yeah, exactly. No, but, I mean, you know, you I have, probably like my wife, dude, she's like super supportive for real. Like, no, she I mean, yeah, you wouldn't be doing this for what if our, if our wives weren't supportive of what we're doing. Um, I mean, seriously, this is my garage, dude. Like, I turned my entire garage into a studio essentially we're the, we're the same then my, my garage is a mill shop <laughs> and then this is this used to be my dining room now it's my office so <laughs> so what gave you the idea for the cracking color or crayon thing because that was sick i know creole crayon but like like that just how'd you even come with that dude that is nuts um I just woke up one day and I was like, I need to make a divot tool this week. And I don't know. I saw a crayon on the desk or something. I was like, oh, I can make a divot tool out of that. I just change the tip, make it a little bit sharper. And there we go. So put crack I, and it's no Crayola. Yeah. So the fir- it's funny. The first two releases of crayons were hard metals or copper and they were st- uh, uh, carbon steel. So the carbon steel one was torched blue to be like a blue crayon. And then the uh, the copper one, I just darkened it, make it look like a, a brown crayon. And then I got the idea from there, like, well, why don't I make them in aluminum, which I normally don't work in aluminum. Um, I kind of look down on aluminum, but because it's easy to machine, it's not, it's just fast. And quick. Ch- to you, it's not challenging. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's not as valuable as, of a metal as brass or stainless steel or something like that. But the great thing with aluminum, though, is it's lightweight. So if you like something in your pocket, it's not going to weigh you down. Uh, and the other thing is it, it lends itself for anodizing. So that's where all the colors come from. Like the um, red. I think I think we'd reviewed the red one. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. you didn't send it to me. You sent it to somebody on my team. You sent it to Damon back in the day. So I still, I still even have a freaking Kraken item in my bag, which makes me really sad. And I, I always want to find you. <laughs> I want that fish one, dude. If you're going to fish one, I definitely want a fish one. That fish one's sick. Anyways, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But so how many colors of crayons have you done then now? I think I've done the whole Fox. rainbow of colors. So it's see red, blue, green, yellow. Dude, you know it would be so freaking sick if you did a gift set, right? Of those, and like you've made it into a box, like those crayon boxes. And you put yeah. crack on the front and you had like – 12, 12 of them in there. I mean, you could sell them for like 250, 300 bucks, right? Well, and it'd be like 
that would be I, I would that would be sick. Dude. I've already been there. I actually have a case of crayon boxes with Kraken logos on it, and I just killed it. Wasn't into Why? it. No, it's, no, I just I, I was looking at it. I'm like, you know, do the holidays. You got to do the holidays. Call for real. Well, I was thinking about doing like a ketchup pack. So I get people reach out to me all the time that met, you know found Kraken recently. And they're like, oh, I missed all these crayons. I want all these crayons, right? And I was thinking, well, maybe I'd do a, a ketchup mark, you know? But you I could don't know. do like a, you could do like a, a oh, what's the word? Not a throwback, but like, you know, like limited release of something that was one of your best sellers, quote unquote. You yes. know what I mean? Or I'm not trying to sound gimmicky, but like, because some of that stuff is cool as hell, man. And I bet like people see it. They start going through your Instagram feed and they probably get sad. And they're like, oh man, that is the coolest thing. Well, it's funny. You only see the good stuff, right? You don't know how many times I've screwed up. <laughs> so what I happens mean, if you screw up? That's a great question. It happens all the time. It happens every day. You have to melt it down? Do you just do you no, toss usually, it? toss it usually. I have a bone yeah. in my shop of just stuff that's never seen the market. You know, like, you know, I'll make something. I think it's cool. And then it's finished. And I look at it. I'm like, I don't like this. On to the can you go to like a recycle center and have it melted down for you? Uh, you can. I used to do that a lot. I don't, I don't have as much waste anymore as I used to. I don't, I, I you got better up. and you have better machinery and you're only not. Well, it's funny because guys ask me all the time, like, can I have the prototype of that item? And I'm like, I don't, I don't make too many prototypes anymore because it's like, I feel like, like either I make it and it's crap. I toss it. Why would I give that away? Or if we make, if I make it and it's good, I'm going to sell it. Like that's yeah, I, I, I'm brave now in the sense, like I'll, I'll say like, I'm going to do 50 of something. I make two, take pictures of it and throw it online and sell it. And I still got to make 48 more, you know? And so that's another good question. right there, like, so how do you do it now? Like you come up with an idea, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever. And then you make two, let's say, is that what you do? And then post it and be like, Hey, what do you guys think? Or, or do you say, I'm going to release this only making 50? Like what's your process for that? Um, I, I don't usually ask for permission. I don't usually ask for feedback because I feel like I, I know my audience now. Um, yeah. So I, I just make it and I usually will make whatever the first batch is, whether it's six, 10, 12 on the machine, take a photo of those first couple that come off and say, Hey, this is going off on Tuesday. And then, um, so one thing I do do that, you know, your audience audience might be interested in knowing is um, I sell to my email audience first. Uh, so all my email subscribers, they get an email uh, usually the day of that I'm going to release something that evening only for them. I'll get and I'll put aside usually 75% of what I'm going to make. Um, I'll sell it to them and then whatever's left, I'll sell the next day to the general public and I'll do a, a release. It'll be on Instagram, but You'll notice a lot of times when I do that post, there'll be people on there. As soon as the post comes out, got it. I already got mine. And and the sale's not until like later that night. And people will, will like DM me like, how does he have one if the sale's tonight at eight? And I'm like, oh, he's an email subscriber. So he bought it last Gosh. night. Yeah. So I, you know, email subscribers get first access. They get 75% of what I make first. And then 25% is left for. You give them like a small discount. They buy it like, oh, you get 5% off or something. No, I well for new subscribers, um, they'll get an email to get ten percent off their first purchase. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I don't run sales. I mean, not you know the value of what you're making, and you have so many to make, and it's like I'm gonna sell these to you guys. I'm gonna sell to the general public. That's it. I mean, and I know I only I didn't buy a thousand of these from China. There's only 20, 12 have been made. You know, like yeah. or however many you make. Like you already kind of know. 
Yeah, it's usually 30 um, to 50. The largest release I ever had was a crayon. There was a um, the 4th of July crayon I did last year, which was red, white, and blue. I did 75 of those. And then... Um, How fast that sell out, though? Because you sell pretty fast, right? Like, do you yes. never not sell out? I no. mean... I've okay. never had an item not sell out. It usually sells out in two or three minutes. Um, something that doesn't resonate as well usually takes 15 minutes. <laughs> but uh, You yeah. created something, though. You created a market, man. You created demand on something that didn't exist. And that people just know how quality of what you're doing. And they want it. And they want to collect it. Because they value what you're doing, right? Like, that's uh, it. I, mean, I hope so, anyways. I mean, you know, for me, like, being a perfectionist, I see flaws in every single item I make. Every of course you do. I mean, I, I just did a skull and crossbone marker last night, and today actually it's on right now. I don't know how it's doing, but uh, I mean, I see flaws in that. Everything can be made better, you know, and that's like one of my goals every day is how can I make this thing better than the last thing I made? Like, and I, you learn every day. Bro, you got almost 30,000 followers now? Shit. Like, you didn't have, like, when I met you, you had like two or three. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that's crazy. The only thing you're posting is you're posting your own stuff, right? So that's like, that's crazy that people are following you because they're like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. I mean, seriously, like, that's crazy. Well, that's thank crazy. you. It's, it's a lot of work, but yeah, I, I only post my own stuff. I don't post anything else. I don't post. Yeah, you're not looking for memes or anything. Travelers. No. Or, you know, Paige Spiranak or anything like that. <laughs> I mean, dude, so like, I may ask some questions about some of these designs, right? Like, okay, when you do this Monopoly marker, right? You do this Monopoly um, divot tool. Yeah. Kind of, it's like Monopoly, right? Do you have to worry about Monopoly saying, oh, you took our picture of our guy and put on a on a divot tool? Or yes. you're like, yeah, it's artwork. Like, and it's only, it's art. Like, I don't know how that works. So with something like that, I always alter the image, right? I, I never take an image exactly as is. So I add yeah. my own spin to it. But whatever. I mean, things have happened to me before. So, like, Tom Brady's come after me. I've gotten uh, – <laughs> from his attorney, I got a uh, cease and desist letter in the mail one day. For what? What did you do for a Tom so Brady? This is, probably, this is probably four years ago. I made a ball marker and a divot tool, and I put TB12 on it, his brand, and I sent it to him at the stadium, right? Just out of the blue, just, like, trying to – As a fan. Yeah. Like, just, hey, I'm a big fan. Love you. Here's – I made this for you. Yeah, and, you know, if, if you want anything for your teammates or anything like that, you know, I'll hook you up, whatever you want, you know. And then, so I just sent it to him. I made one, I sent it to him, that was it. I didn't sell them online, do anything like that. And, uh, and then I got cease and desist letter in the mail from Tom Yee, who's, his, uh, I guess, his lawyer and his agent, saying, you know, how many of these did you sell? And we want, you know, a you know, backlog of all your orders. And I'm like, I made one, I sent it to him, that's it. So they were cool with it. But it, you know, I, I have that letter somewhere. I, I put it in a frame. I thought it was cool. <laughs> but uh, so I had that, and then I made a. Um, um, you should make a Jordan looking one and give it to Jordan. But that'd be sick. <laughs> Two or you're not gun shy. You're like I'm not sending not the sports yeah. guys anymore. They get all weird about that. That's you know, that's when you're trying to grow your brand. You're like you're just throwing stuff out there, hoping it sticks. You know, Tom Brady posts this. I'll get a thousand subscribers easily, you know. Maybe send them to Paige Spearnack and be like, I don't know what you make, but <laughs> but I'm uh, for it too. Yeah, I, I try to stay away from that stuff. I mean, sometimes people ask me yeah. to, to do some stuff that's really like copyright infringement. 
Um, yeah, you don't want to mess with that shit. Yeah, I don't want to mess with it. And you know, and I, I even know about my own brand. I trademarked my logo, and I don't want anybody putting my logo on their stuff and saying it's me. So, you know, I, I understand all that. I mean, I, I definitely take it to the edge on some of my designs. But this is my opinion on this. I feel like if people. I feel like people will throw that around like copyright trademark, like, Oh, whatever, you know, whatever they say. And if, if you're the, if you're on this side of the line, like you're pretty, you're not in the gray area, you're like pe- past the gray, not next to the line. And they're acting like dicks about it. Then it's like, okay, game on because this is ridiculous. Like, I feel like some people will, will do that just to like squash you. Yeah. But then I all like, but just don't mess with other people's stuff. I mean, it's people steal my stuff all the time. You know what I do? I take their websites down. That's what I do. Um, <laughs> be, no, for reals. Like I have people have stolen my logo and like will create a golf website and steal my logo and I've taken their website down. And I've taken I've got them de indexed. Because yeah. I'm like, no, you steal my stuff. Like I can see my articles on your website. Like I'm not stupid, dude. You well, know, was- like that's one thing. But if you're like I don't know, I still don't be jerks. That's just the way it is. Don't but also like you're making art. So if you're sending art to somebody and you're like, Hey, I'm a fan, I made this for you cool beans then i don't know it's kind of weird that you would do that has anybody else been weird or not really no no i mean I, other than that it's been pretty clean i had a friend who had a brand once who like he made some stuff that was like had disney stuff on it it was like marvel yeah. whatever and i was like are you insane like i was like you're like they're and, I, and then he brought it to the pga show and he was showing it and i was like Dude, we're in freaking Orlando, man. And then like <clears throat> he's like, you know, it's so funny. I'm like, what? He's like, Disney people just walk right by here. I was like, for real? He's like, yeah. And they like saw it and said it was look nice and they left. And I was like, you're like just dodged the biggest bullet of your life. Those I'm asking questions, I don't really know. And I think people wonder that too. Is when you see really cool art products, then people like have some kind of design on it and they're like, Oh, it looks a lot like Batman or like because you did a Batman thing. Like, but you said you changed the image, but obviously it's Batman, right? Yeah. So like does, would would in your mind as an artist does that worry you about dc or anything like that you're like no nah, man whatever I, I don't know how like i mean yeah, does that make sense i'm not trying to sound yeah no I, I guess i look at it as like it, you know i made 30 pieces you know, Dude, they, like, they spend so much more money trying to collect what you made on 30 pieces that it's like you're not like a yeah that's true yeah i mean it's not like i'm mass producing it in china on t-shirts and i'm selling them at jc penny or something you know <laughs> no <laughs> you know? So it plus you put on a piece of metal. It wasn't like you exactly. It wasn't like you made a T-shirt that said Batman on it and it had Batman on it. Yeah, um, and, you know, and, and in the Batman case, that was a sketch I did. So, yeah, did my, you really? Yeah, that's my rendering of it. So, you know, for something it's your like art. That. Yeah, like you. Wow, see, you are an artist, dude. Don't lie. Oh, yeah, but I mean, that's really it was really abstract. You know, it's it was like a shadow, really. But you know, it's just yeah. But that's so good, dude. Like, did you? I mean, I know you have tats and everything. Like, like, is that how you got into art? That's not you're a tattoo artist, but like that kind of style, right? Because yeah. like, why well, that inspired you? Tattoos. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm asking that question. <laughs> like, because really good tattoo artists are really good designers, right? And like, yeah. is no, that I, kind of? I've designed every one of my tattoos. I mean, I, I, I knew I knew you were gonna freaking say that. I've written some on me, but. Uh, there's actually a, a great lady here in a cushion that does tattoos, Ruby, and she's phenomenal. She's done, I think, 99% of my tattoos. Uh, like the person you trust. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I have an appointment with her in June for another one. So, <laughs> really, I always, I always go back to her. She's she's uh, she's cool. 
you just say, oh, your stuff is so good. It's just crazy. I love the, I also love what you did with like those playing cards that were like, you had like an ace and you had like the Kraken looking thing on it. That was sick too. Yeah. That was like, dude, it's just the stuff you make. It's like, it bridges so many genres because it's almost like an edgier feel as if it was biker related, right? Like a, like a heavy dark metal, like, but then it kind of also bridges it to like, mainstream right and then more of like gaming like you know i don't know it's just like you bring in all these elements of like i try to think of the right word to use it's almost like it's uh, I, so i i like all, all the stuff i make are things that i like in my real life right so I, i'm into marvel i'm into batman i'm into comic stuff you know uh i'm into feng shui and uh japanese culture i think is cool uh, so i have a, my whole arm my left arm is all japanese stuff So I, I bring a lot of that in, and and the other part. So there's another reason why it's also growing the brand, right? And to your point, bringing other people into golf. Uh, I the best message I get from people that buy my stuff is I'm not a golfer, but I I just thought this thing was cool and I want it, and it makes me want to play golf. And and that's like the best thing I hear from anybody is a non-golfer that gets interested in golf just because they saw one of my items and they want it. You know, so like that's like the best compliment I could get. Um, but I think it also like brings in other people like, you know, for me, like if I make something like mention the koi fish. Right. You tag koi on it and what other words that are associated with that on Instagram and then ball marker and golf. And you get this whole segment of golfers that maybe never even knew who you were just because you bring in that koi thing. It's another part of their life it has nothing to do with golf, but it brings them into the fold because it. You know, it's two things they like potentially, you know. Um, So I think that's a big reason why my audience has grown so fast is that I'm doing golf things, but I'm relating it to other aspects of life. And it brings in a group of demographics that, you know, if I just focused on golf, you know, it'd be the same 300 guys probably, you know. But I add these little other elements that kind of give it a twist. And I think it brings other people into the fold. And, And I always say growing the game of golf is huge for me. Um, and I, and I, I don't want to be that stuffy older guy type brand. And there's plenty of those out there. Um, I try to cater to an audience that's a demographic of like 18 to 35, even though I'm well beyond that demographic now. Uh, that's what my audience is. The tough part is my stuff's, you know, admittedly expensive. So a lot of those guys are just starting their careers or whatever. So, um, you know, paying $125 for a ball marker is tough. Right. Uh, I've been there when I was 25. There's no way I was buying a a ball marker for 125 bucks. But um, I know it, but it's different. It's a collectible type thing. And um, and that's why I think I over engineer it to hit that price point. You can't just, you know, do something simple. It has to be inlays with, you know, different combinations. of No, it's, 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 it's the quality. It's like it's just not crap. I mean, it's so quality, dude. Like, you probably could sell it for twice as much as what you're selling it for now. Like, and people would still buy it because it's just like, it's established. I don't know. I look at like I could see your stuff in like, in like a jewelry store, like a high end jewelry store, you know, or something where like people that have like you go in Vegas, right? And you have like these like, sh- I don't know. I could see it like just sitting there, like oh, here's like you know, you know, Ballmark or whatever it is next to some diamond i don't know like that just it looks so good it just like, I, well, I, I appreciate it. i mean that's the goal i'm trying to make it jewelry without it being gold you know but um i mean i i, I have a hard time pricing it sometimes like 
when I throw $125, like the marker I did today, the, the skull and crossbones ones, 125 bucks. And I get it, man. We're, we're just out of COVID. I mean, there's inflation right now. But at the same time, they, that thing, is, I spent a week and a half making these things. <laughs> you know, no, this, no. there's 50 of them, you know? So I feel bad putting a price on like that. But at the same time, I look at it, I'm like, it, it probably is worth more than that based on the amount of time I put into it. And it's definitely way over-engineered. Um, but it's freaking cool, you know? So it, it, it's a, it's a thing. I have a battle internally over that, but at the same time, like, I mean, that's the price. You, you price it right. You price it so it's affordable and that like people are not, you know, completely, I don't know what's the word. Like they can't, it's like out of their price range. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I look at it too, it's golfers. So, I mean, golf's not an inexpensive sport, you know? So, I mean, the, the guys that are playing golf, I mean, if you're playing golf, you, you probably have a little bit of money. So, you know, and, 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 you know, not everybody's buying every piece. I mean, there's hardcore guys that, I mean, there's some guys that bought literally every piece I've ever produced, which to you're me. You're going to have those guys. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, that's going to grow, dude. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, and I, and I appreciate those guys. I mean, without those guys, there wouldn't be two hosses out in the garage right now, honestly. I mean. Uh, that's the only, I mean, everything that's done through Kraken, it, it's completely self-funded. Uh, I mean, initially, sure, I put my money in um, getting the first couple of machines, but uh, but since then, it's completely funded by customers, you know, and which is just so crazy. It, I, I appreciate it so much because, I mean, there's, there's no way in hell my wife would ever let me buy a, a $65,000 Haas uh, on our regular paychecks, right? Oh, there's no way. <laughs> so it's like, I'm so appreciative of that because, again, without those people that are hardcore collectors, you know, there wouldn't be crack in golf. It just wouldn't be, you know. Well, you've created a market that wasn't there. Oh, I just found the picture of the two koi fish. That's so sick. Um, <laughs> there wouldn't be a market. I mean, you're, you create a market that wasn't there before. There was nobody making like – I mean, there was I, – I, I didn't create it. There's certainly guys that created it. I, I'll say I'm a follower there, but my hope is that I – I've moved it in a different direction. That that's that's the thing I always kind of harken back to. I, I'm definitely not the first. I mean, Scotty Cameron, uh, Ben Hardy was there before me. Tyson Lamb was there before me. There's a bunch of guys that were there before me, but um, I, I just kind of taken it and brought my own little spin to it and the things that I like to it. And I just hope people like what I like. And if they do, maybe they appreciate you know some of the stuff I make. But I, I don't feel like I'm a pioneer by any means. There's, there's certainly other guys that have started this way before I have. I, I followed them, but I just kind of, I hopefully taken it in my own direction. I, I never want to copy anyone else's work. Um, I mean, there's been times where I've made something and then I, you know, did some research after making it and found that someone kind of already did that and immediately scrap it. You know, I, the last thing I want to do is copy somebody else's work. You know, I, that's a, a real important thing for me because I, I, I see it, you know, I mean, these people have kind of copied some of the stuff that I've made. And, you know, I, at first you get a little bit upset and annoyed by it. And then you start thinking, well, you know, what? I mean, someone liked it enough where they had to go down that road and, it, you know, I'll be flattered by it and move on, you know, but that's an important thing for me. I never want to copy someone else's work. I mean, I, I mean, I, but you're, yeah. you're just being, you're just being inspired by something and then you yeah. make it right. Like, yeah, I mean, you can be inspired and, and change it and make it your own. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, we're making ball markers in the, the day. This is only so many ways you can make them. Right. Um, so everybody's done something that someone else has kind of done, but 
Uh, you know, there's some guys out there that will blatantly just remake someone's work, right? Which I just, I detest that. And I make sure that that's not part of what I do. You know, I just, I, I know how much time it takes to make something, to create something in the, you know, you know, I'm up at 2 a.m. sometimes think of an idea and then, you know, for someone to copy it, it's just like, that sucks, you know, but, you know, you get past it and, you know, that's just the way it is, right? But I, I try to make sure I don't. I, I mean, that's a very important thing for me. And, you know, if anyone ever called me out on it, you know, I'd not, I would not make something that was someone else's. That's very important to me. Yeah. You'd be like, you'd just be more like, if somebody said, hey, we already kind of made that, and you saw it, and you're like, oh, crap. Okay, well, I'll get rid of that. Like, you don't want to be, that's not who you are, right? I mean, obviously, yeah. some pe- people have designs that are similar, right? But then there's also people that do a blatant copy, and you're like, I'm right. not doing that. Well, you, mean, you probably see it in your space, right? So, you know, it's it's the same thing with anything, right? I mean, if you're the pure originator of something, you want to you want to be the originator of it, right? I, I don't want to copy someone else's work. It's easy, you know? When did you start doing putters? First putter, I think, was 2019. I had it on the shelf here. If I see it, it's terrible. Really? It's terrible. Uh, terrible. No, it's it's not terrible. It's just really patinated at this point. That's cool. People would buy that. So it. I, terrible. What are you talking it, about? I mean, it, it's functionally phenomenal. I used it for two seasons before I have the one I have now. But that's the first putter I ever made. It's copper and it's like. It's like dark brown patina now, which is pretty cool. Uh, and it has a little bit of the uh, octopus engraving on it, as you can see. That's it. That's it. But uh, yeah, 2019, I think I made this. Uh, now, I don't know. I think I'm up to 225 putters around there. Something when like you that. make a putter, do you do like, how many do you make at a time? One? one. I have no idea. Everyone's one. One of one. I've never made a mass produced a putter. And for me, mass production would be more than one. <laughs> But yeah, I've all, they're all one. I, so on my website, I don't have stock putters. Um, I have stock ball markers and divot tools. There's a couple of different styles out there that anybody can get. You know, yeah, styles. people. But are, uh, you know, people like and you make more yeah, of those. But every putter I've made is is essentially one of one. There's not any duplicates. What's the cost for a putter? Um, start at eight, start at eight ninety nine for something simple with engravings. Um, and then you get into like exotic metals like Mokum or Damascus. And uh, if you want inlays and stuff like that, then, you know, it could go up to 2000 2500 bucks, something like that. What's the most expensive putter you ever sold? Uh, there was a Mokum putter that had a Damascus neck on it, and it was uh, $2,800. Somebody bought it? Mm-hmm. It was custom for somebody. They requested it. Uh, they wanted it. Yeah. Yes. Have you sold any putters or have you sold any items to famous people? They've asked for your stuff. Um, no. They're like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> um, I mean, I've, I have a couple th- uh, ball markers and different tools on tour. Um, Jimmy Walker, for one, has one of my revolver ball markers. Um, some other guys on tour have had stuff. So um, I don't have a putter on tour. I have not sold a putter to anyone on tour. Um, who else? Who else? A lot of, like, football players. I've done stuff with Golden Tate has some of my stuff. Uh, actually, Golden Tate, I made him belt buckles for his whole uh, bachelor party, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, That's cool. And there were some other football players that were part of his bachelor party. Remember Jimmy Clausen? I think he played. Oh, yeah. He was the quarterback, and there were some other guys too. 
Um, so I've done stuff like that. Um, and then you get some, a lot of baseball players, a lot of baseball players play golf. Um, a lot of minor league guys, a lot of hockey players play golf, hockey players. So, I mean, I, you know, it's not, I don't have Michael Jordan or anything like that, but no, no, but guys that have, you know, guys on tour, some guys on tour have, have some of my stuff. There's been some actors. I mean, there's, there's, I wish you would have told me this question in advance. I would have had a list for you, but. Oh, no, it's cool. I was wondering because you were talking yeah. Tom Brady and whatever. No Tom Brady. Um, no goats. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> what, uh, what's new for you guys this year? What's new for you? Like, what do you plan? Anything cool, different? I mean, you always come up with designs, I know, weekly and monthly. But yeah. Like, well, in terms of different products, so I'm batting around the idea of doing a subscription for head covers. Um, so head are you making them yourself? No, no, just my designs though. So that's one idea I have. Um, that's kind of hard. That's kind of hard, man. I'll tell you, like, how many head covers do you need, right? Like, that's that's the thing. Like, you should do a subscription for ball markers or like smalls. I yeah. guess. Uh, it, I mean, it, how many? I guess I probably I probably cancel after five months because I'd be like, all my heads, are, all my covers are head or all my golf clothes are now covered. I don't. This is. I mean, I'm you make amazing head covers. I'm just saying that's kind of yeah. Hard. So that, that's one. I, I've had a lot of guys ask me to make scorecard holders out of leather. Um, I haven't done one yet, but that's it's on the design. The design board is pretty large. <laughs> just put it that way. You know, so there's a lot of stuff out there that uh, is on the backlog. But uh, so that's something I get asked a lot. Um, this morning, I was actually working on a uh, like a putter type cup that you would put on your rug and practice putting into but not a basic everyday one that you would find at like galaxy golf or something like that i mean we talk classic about, with those little flappy things you know, we're, we're talking metal with uh, leather on the bottom and you know some high-end stuff here so i'm working on something like that um do you ever do like tournament uh, would you ever do like inspired stuff like tournament inspired like oh the masters inspired uh oh, yeah. you know you i do a lot didn't. of that don't you I did a master's market last year, uh, did it to last year, did master's marker the year before. And those have been some of the craziest designs I've done, actually, those two pieces. Um, I have something special coming up for this master's. It's, it's leather. I'll leave it at that. Um, oh. It's going to be pretty cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I try to do tournament events. I didn't do anything really for the, for the players' championship this week uh, just because – honestly didn't have time i had too much other stuff going on i just couldn't get yeah. to it but i i always do something for the masters big I event usually, yeah i usually do something for the open so we'll we'll see I, I try to do stuff around that but honestly i get bored with it you know like i want to do my crazy stuff that's out in left field more than I. yeah to. it's like i feel it could be cliche right or it's like it's the blah 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 inspired whatever and it's like everybody does that to sell stuff but then it's like you're just always making cool stuff cool items like just things that are like contemporary you know whatever stuff that we like you get that like i saw that one you have like a king hippo from like mike tyson's punch out right like (laughs) stuff that like guys are our age remember playing that game like oh it's cool i'd buy that you know like like that is where you should be spending time on is like stuff that's like nostalgic but like modern take to a nostalgic thing like i don't know i think that if you just do like oh it's a tiger woods going like this ball marker it's like Great. Everybody makes a million of those things. You know, it's yeah. I try to do like lately. I, I don't know if you saw my the the dice ball marker. It's a cool. <laughs> so I, I've been trying to do stuff that's really like you, know, you, you throw that on the grain. You kind of look like an asshole, but 
at the same time, that's me. Like, I'm the type of guy that would throw that other green and be like, dude, put around it. You know, I'll, I'll slide it to the left for you a little bit, you know? So, like, they have a little big one, like a big ass one. Like, a, you do like a Rubik's Cube one. That'd be cool. Somebody messaged me the other day on that, actually, which is funny that you brought I it mean, up. I mean, if you're doing dice, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, that's a possibility. What well, if you do like a circular one that's like a globe? That'd be cool. You know, like an old. You, I just think of all things you do, like, because crack and you think of, like, sailing and, like, you know, that nostalgic yeah. Well, I, I did a lot of that stuff in early on. Like, I, a lot of my early releases were, like, ocean-themed stuff. And then I think I kind of just got away from it. Like, I, I was just, you know, cracking now is just, like, whatever I'm into right now. I'm going to make something that kind of represents it, you know? Uh, it doesn't have to be ocean. It could be it's all over the place, dude. Yeah. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason, right? It's just like <laughs> it's, it's whatever inspires you, and you're like, I'm gonna make that wheel of fortune. Yeah, you, you know, skull and crossbones today, and maybe I'll do a Care Bear next week or something. Yeah, like for real, <laughs> like that'd be funny. A Care Bear, <laughs> the Kraken symbol on its stomach. Yeah, something like that. What I think is cool about what you're doing is that you're not a one trick pony, and you're not like, oh, I just make ball markers and they're cool like you've you've expanded so much over the last four years that you went from like ball markers the divot tools the putters then you're going to leather goods right like it's completely different not even the same realm right and you start yeah. making you start making like all the leather good stuff and it's like you just do what you want right yeah, like, there's, make- there's no restrictions right having your own business but i'll tell you what leather for me is just like uh soothing like it, it's something where I can sit down. I have like uh, either TV on or radio or listen to music, and I'm just like going through this leather. And then uh, I get inspired a lot by leather. Now I've been watching. Like what really inspires me is like um, some of the high end luxury brands and the, the leather wallets and stuff that they do. Um, you know, like Louis Vuitton and stuff like that. Like some crazy, crazy stuff, right? So. So inspired that last week I, I went out and I bought a UV printer so that I can actually print on leather uh, and do some of the stuff like my own spin on what kind of like Louis Vuitton does with like their logo all over the leather and stuff. So a lot of that. It's coming- so smart, man. I didn't even think about this. Like, you know, bringing f- females now into what you're making because like right now it's all a bunch of dudes buying that stuff. I already know it, right? Like, but it's yeah. like okay, now you're making cool leather stuff that like it's kind of high end and it's like, no one's doing that. I mean, nobody's, I, I can think of. Well, I, I mean, especially well, we just talked about, it. so I, I noticed someone the other day was making a leather, a tool holder for ball markers and divot tools, kind of similar to what I make design wise. Right. You know, it happens, whatever. So like the first thing I tell my wife is like, how am I going to like get away from this guy? I want to make my stuff, but I don't want anyone to copy it. So the first thing I thought is, Let's go buy a machine that costs a whole lot of money that someone's not going to be able to follow me, at least not immediately. (laughs) You can make the shitty looking Chinese knockoff of that ball marker holder thing. Or, you know, it's like your clientele is different, right? They want quality. They're just looking for something they can go buy. If they want to go buy that thing, they go buy on Amazon. You know, it's like, it's like, it's the way you separate yourself from what everybody else is doing is just the quality. It's not the work. I don't say quality. It's just like the, the level of intricacy of what you're doing. Right. That like, I have no problem spending a hundred dollars for that ball marker when I can still buy that same ball marker for $9 on Amazon. Right. Ball marker is a ball marker, but it's like, I want that cool ass one because it's like, whatever. That's smart. It's like, you're, 
that's how you separate yourselves out without having to deal with the bullshit of people trying to copy you. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, like I'm going to start introducing UV prints on my leather now. So, I mean, nobody does it. Nobody does it in golf right now. Nobody. So I'll be the first. You should do leather. You should do those score books, scorecard books, dude. They'll sell for a lot of money. Everyone's doing them though. That's the thing too. It's like, do you want to be mainstream? Like, Oh, I'm doing it because everyone else is doing it. You know, like two years ago, nobody was doing those things. And then all of a sudden everyone's doing it. Yeah, honestly, the only reason I haven't done one yet is it's bigger than my wallets and the amount of time it's going to take me to actually sew that thing by hand. That's the only reason why I haven't done it yet. <laughs> what about, that'd be, the same, that'd be the same issue if you did like a glove holder too. One of those glove pocket things, you know, yeah. like, it'd be the same issue. And those things are cheap anyway. So yeah, I mean, I, I will do a hold a, a card holder at some point, a, a score card holder at some point because I, I've seen everybody that's out there in the market and there's some nice ones, but I know I can make it different, like a lot different. Better. So it's just a matter of, do I have time for it? <laughs> you know, and each of those are hand saddle stitch. So it's not like I have a sewing machine even. Like I'm literally stitching it by hand. So, and, and saddle stitch is better than a uh, sewing machine anyways, because they're individual stitches. So if one breaks, your wallet's still fine. You know, so... That's why I do saddle stitch. Plus, I think it looks cool with a French stitching on it. Uh, it's different. You just don't. I mean, you don't You're find such a it. nerd. No. You're such a nerd, dude. Yeah. Such a... <laughs> you sound like it's my wife. So, it's though. so cool. It's so cool because you're so into it. Like you know, but it's like because you know what you want, right? You know, like the quality of the stitch. It's like I'm not. I'm not mass producing this for I can you know to make hundred fifty dollars. It's like. I know I'm making a high quality iron that will really last because of the type of stitch I put on it and the time amount of time I put into the product I'm making, right? And it's like yeah. that's it's funny because I, I I told the guy last week he was asking me about making him a custom one, which I don't do. I don't make custom leather goods because it just wait takes too long. I make ten. No, worth it. No way, man. I'm not doing that. So no he was he was tell, asking me about it, and I was like, well, you know, I have a release this week. I'm like, you might want to pick this release up because it'll be the first one which I do French stitch instead of straight stitch. And the guys are like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about the stitch. You know, it's just like the stitch has a slant to it rather than being straight. <laughs> so this like always your calling, dude. You just didn't realize it. You should well, do a YouTube. You should do YouTube of you making stuff. Do you do that or no? Not uh, teaching, but being like, oh, I'm going to make this X. And then it's like you, it's just kind of like the you run around like a crazy person in your thing making. Yeah. It. I don't know. You have the time to actually like, you know, produce it afterwards and, you know, chop it up and put music to it and all that. I don't have time to do it. So I'll do, uh, I'll do live streams every while, once in a while on Instagram. Oh yeah. I've seen that. I've seen it. It's cracking in a live stream. I've never seen that. Yeah. Once in a while I'll do that. And then I I try to do some videos of like behind the scenes. I'll put it up on my story, but uh, my wife actually bought me those Ray-Ban glasses, sunglasses with the uh, camera built into them. So that's pretty cool cool because it hooks up to my phone. I throw the sunglasses on. I actually need to pop the lenses out because I can't see with, sunglasses on and sew and stuff. So oh, I'm going to yeah. like, I'm going to like, like Charles. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to destroy these glasses. My wife was like, I bought you sunglasses and like, you're going to pop the lenses out. They're like $300 sunglasses. So like, I don't care about the sunglass bar. I want the camera that's built in so I can actually see the work I'm doing and kind so of like a point of view perspective of sewing a wallet or something, you know, which would be pretty cool. Um, be very cool. Yeah, so it'll show your competition how to make it. <laughs> well, it's funny. My my uh, one of my customers, Trent Donahue. Trent is like awesome. He, he's a big time collector, 
And he was the one that mentioned it to me. He's like, hey, you ever thought about getting these glasses and there's a camera in them and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I, I have those glasses. I didn't realize there was a camera in them. My, my wife bought them for me for Christmas. I'm like, oh, they're sunglasses, whatever, you know, Ray-Bans, whatever. I didn't know there was a camera in them. So he he's the one that told me. I'm like, oh, crap, there's a camera in my sunglasses. I can use this to videotape. What if you, were, what if you, what if you were when you were going to the bathroom? You're like, you forget about it. You're like, no. And like Naked Gun. Remember Naked Gun when he had that mic on still and he goes to the bathroom? <laughs> that means me. I would totally forget the camera on, right? Nobody wants to see that. but they do Nobody like, wants to see that, but it'd be funny. I'm just saying, like, it'd be funny. Um, you're like, oh crap! One of our listeners right now chimed in, and they have. They said you should start doing. Uh, it'd be cool if you start doing automotive stuff or biker stuff. <laughs> well, do that. Well, yeah. So this was funny. Actually, you mentioned that. So my buddy that was with me in Next Eighteen, my partner now, my my golf buddy now, we we talk about all the time. Like all the machinery I have now could easily do stuff outside of golf. You know. And we're, we're constantly batting things around. And then it always comes down to, like, I don't even have time to do cracking. How am I going to No, you don't have time, dude. Don't time. <laughs> but you could yeah. do, like, old automotive-looking ball markers, like old brands that used to exist a million years ago, and, like, come play off of that. That'd be cool. You know? Yeah, like, well, it's funny. On my design board, I just put something up maybe a month ago. Uh, and I haven't got to it yet. But it was, like, old uh, racing car logos on the side of the doors. So I had, like, the huge numbers. But all the numbers have, like, they're different fonts. They're different color schemes. They're like pretty cool looking. And the first thing I think of is brass ball marker. I'm gonna I'm gonna replicate the colors with leather and like do a number seven. So it's simple, simple. But the color scheme and it has like a cool font because it's like old race car type fonts. Nothing to do with golf, but I just think they look cool. So they'll be coming at some point when I ever get to that point of the design board. But you have a you have a show called Mark's Custom of. Uh golf stuff like you know like on like they had like counts custom cars that'd be you but you'd be like making and there'd be a show just of you like oh so-and-so came and wants us to make this whatever and then it's like you make like i'd be i could see a show like that well you know what it's a cool show i watch on i think it's on history channel they have the guys that uh was it forge or something they make swords and all kinds of stuff like right there on camera and they're competing like three or four guys and they're making swords and they're forging them and crazy stuff and I always say, you know, if you could get a couple of us makers making ball markers and divot tools, that would be a show I would watch it. I don't know about everybody else, but like, you know, how it's made or something behind the scenes. Like, I think that'd be a good show. You know, and there's a bunch of us in the space, you know, from Scotty Cameron all the way down, you know, kind of feature different people making stuff. I, I think people would watch it. Well, that's kind of what I want to do. I, I think Golf Channel should pick it up. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd watch that too. It's been a long show. I know you got to go. So I just wanted to say thank you for being on the show today. You guys definitely need to check out Kraken Golf. They are amazing, or he's amazing. I don't want to say it's 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 Mark. It's crazy to see how much he's grown because like and it it makes me happy to see that because everything he's done and the the growth he has has to do with his creativity and the quality and it shine through and that's why he's doing as well as he's doing and it's just cool to see that right because a lot of people start this and they don't continue it or the quality goes down and you're like you're the opposite your quality is going up and your complexity of what you're doing is going up on everything you do and you're not making like basic stuff right and so i think like uh you're I think you need to quit your job that's why i I know it's not gonna happen but someday 
Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> so where can people find Kraken at? The KrakenGolf.com? Yeah, KrakenGolf.com uh, on Instagram. Uh, it's just KrakenGolf. Um, I, Instagram is where all the latest and greatest stuff goes. So I mean, some of it goes on Facebook too, but if you really want to follow me, Instagram's the best spot to see what I'm working. You're on. always on there, huh? Like you're always on Instagram. Yeah, it's like a second job on Instagram. Social media is a big part of what I, what I do, and it takes up a whole lot of time. So yeah. How how big is your team? Is it just you and your wife? That's not even my wife. My wife doesn't do much. I mean, my daughter probably more. So. Is it my, you and your like little girl? Yeah, daughter, my like, your little daughter does a lot of packaging, so a lot of shipping. So that's your team. That's how big this team is. Big team. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Did you have such crazy growth? That's just, oh, it's awesome. Cause there's not like, Oh, I have a team of 10 people helping me now. It's like, no man, I'm working on, and I'm working on my site, my full-time job too. And I grew this brand from nothing into a real brand that has like real followers and cool products. And I don't know. I just think you're, you're yeah. so talented. No, thank, you. Are. thank you. And uh, you know, the important thing for me is every single item that comes from me is made by me. There's no other person painting or doing anything. It's no, it's, it's you. It's your name on it. It's, yeah. it's it. Like, it's just it. You know, you're not going to risk it. So, you yeah, know. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being on the show. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of Behind the Golf Brand Podcast. You're going to beat me? The golf. Stay connected on and off the show by visiting golfersauthority.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a comment. Golf is always more fun when you win. Stay out of the beach and see you on the green.